My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Six Figure Podcast Rebel Show. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Atkinson, and uh, maybe a bit of a different voice than what you're used to. I know you guys are used to listening to some of their other hosts on the show, but um, I'm coming in today just to help out and do some interviews with some of the amazing guests that we've got lined up. And I got to tell you, my guest today that I want to introduce to you guys is very, very interesting. Not only is he somebody that helps a lot of small business owners with their finances, but he's also somebody that has survived over 23 years of marriage and actually thrived. Can you believe that? That's pretty amazing. He's a certified financial planner, and he's actually built to help small business owners of the world to manage their money in a positive way that impacts lives and of everybody that is around them. And he's actually the host of his own podcast called Weekly Wealth Podcast. And so guys, I'm super excited to bring him onto the show. Please welcome my guest, David Chudik. David, what's up? How you doing? Hey, how are you? Having a great, uh, great day here. Dude, I love it. Welcome to the show. Super excited. Um, we're going to go thick, fast, and straight into it because, you know, I just love talking to people who have been doing cool things with podcasts. First of all, congratulations. You just hit 100 podcast episodes like last week or something, right? Yeah, I just last week released episode 100. It's crazy. The, the first podcast that I ever did, I I posted it to a, a podcast group on Facebook and I said something about, um, you know, hey, would anybody mind giving a little bit of feedback? And someone who I've never met, I don't even know who this person was, they said, you have a wonderful speaking voice. And I was like, holy crap, like I hate my voice. If anybody who's ever heard their own voice, you always hate your voice. And, um, but yeah, it's just been, a, it's kind of been a labor of love and it's just really, really cool stuff. I've met a lot of cool people. I love it, man. Well, just to start off, what was it that like led you to actually wanting to start a podcast in the first place? Wow. So let's go. So I drive a lot and I've been listening to podcasts for, I don't know, 10 years. And, and you hear certain podcasters and you just feel like these people are your friends and, um, and you know them. So I listen to stuff you should know every week. I've listened to smart passive income. I've, you know, just a lot of podcasts and I just felt like it'd be a great way to market kind of just who I am and, and what I'm about, because from this, from the, from the, from the verbal word, you can kind of get a feel for what somebody is, as opposed to the written word. Where if I just wrote a blog post or some sort of an ad, you don't hear cheesy, cheesy um, uh, uh, senses of humor, jokes, things <laughs> like that. So, and that's part of who I am. I mean, dude, I have weird jokes, and um, if you want a super duper serious financial advisor. I can probably find somebody for you, but if you want someone, you know, who's a little cheesy, who's a little sarcastic and, and who's going to make light of situations, even sometimes even, you know, pick at himself, that's, that's who I am. So I just think that podcasting is just an incredible way to replicate your personality to, um, you know, to tens of people, you know, sometimes some episodes or thousands of people. 
I love it. Yeah. I have a client, her name's Susie, and she runs a podcast called uh, The Women in the Middle. And uh, and she says the same thing all the time. She's like, you know, most people that look to work for her, they're, you know, in their mid 50s and 60s, they're these women and everybody's so damn serious. And she's like, I just come on my podcast. I riff, I have fun. I make terrible jokes. I talk about embarrassing things. But like at the end of the day, people tend to connect with you deeper when they start to go into that stuff. Right. Yeah. And you know what? Like if I wanted somebody really serious, she wouldn't be the right person. And that's good. That's fine. No, nobody's for everybody. So let's get at the, get that out of the way be, before, um, you know, before we start working together. So yeah. So I love it. I love it. So Tim on, on, on the podcast, Tim, David, sorry, we were just talking about Tim who referred you onto the podcast before. So that's why Tim's top of mind. He's going to be on the show in the next few days. But uh, David, in terms of like for your own podcast, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is the idea of how a podcast can actually impact your business. And so it's really interesting because when we get different people coming onto the show, they talk about how it's impacted their business in different ways. You know, some people talk about having actually not a lot of impact to begin with, and it gets, you know, more powerful over time. Some people still struggle with the impact. How much impact would you say your podcast has on, on your own business and in what way? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think in the beginning, it had almost a negative impact because I spent too much time on on the podcast and kind of didn't have good processes and systems in place. But now the major purpose that the podcast serves for me is is credibility. And um, I've done a podcast episode. So I'm a financial advisor and I've done a financial, I, I've done a podcast episode on almost any type of a financial topic that you can imagine. So let's say I have a client, you know, maybe named Steve and, and Steve said, Hey, you know, you should talk to my buddy, Jamie. He has a, um, he has a child and, and he's interested in hypothetically starting a college savings account. So, you know, guess what? I would, I would email you and, and say, Hey, you know, Steve said, you and I should get together and talk. Steve has been a client. He's a good guy. He said, you're a good guy and you have some kids and you want to start a college savings plan. Well, check out this podcast episode that I did about some college planning tips and then let's get together. So then regardless of if you actually listen to my podcast, it's almost irrelevant you know, there's just that credibility of like, wow, this guy's a podcaster and he's an expert. So it would give me much more likelihood of actually setting an appointment with you, sitting down, talking about the financial things that are really important to you. And then if it's right, you'd become a client. If we didn't hit it off, then you don't become a client. And that's okay too, because not everything is for, not every everybody's for everybody, but there's just, there's so much credibility built by um, by podcasting. Super interesting. So the way that you're sort of working it into your business model is anytime someone sort of connects you with a referral, you're attaching that podcast episode that's probably the most relevant to what they're asking about. And it's, you know, giving you that boost of authority and credibility. But I guess probably as well, if they end up listening to the episode, there's going to be an element of sort of extra rapport that gets built before you kind of even get on the call, right? No question. No question. Um, I've actually had uh, three that I could think of times that um, guests have actually gotten clients or at least uh, uh, potential clients from being on the podcast. So I had a therapist come on and we talked about stress. Like, how do you manage stress? Because that's part of wealth, right? Is, is, um, is, is maintaining your, 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 your mental health. So I had a, um, a, a therapist come on and, and a friend of mine, uh, emailed me and said, Hey, I need to get with that therapist. You know, my, my, I think my child needs to to talk to her. Um, and then I actually had a, a, a real estate person on and, and somebody 
wanted to um, talk with him about learning about commercial real estate. So I actually have gotten some clients for guests, but I would love to say that I have 30 people per week calling me or emailing me saying, Hey, I heard your podcast. I want, I want to become your client. That doesn't happen. But in my business, I'm trying to stay top of mind for everybody. So, you know, everybody that I've met at chamber meetings, maybe former clients, things like that. I'm trying to email them and text them periodically just with something. So if I put out a, a, a podcast, uh, you know, there may be 30 people that I might email it to, you know, hey, Jamie, we met at the chamber meeting a couple of weeks ago, and I thought you might like this podcast. Let me know what you think. And probably not going to listen to it, probably not going to open it, but I'm in front of you. And then if I do that every month or two or however often to hundreds of people, eventually some of them, it's just going to be the right time where they're thinking, yes, I need to talk to a financial advisor now. So the podcast is, is, is a way to keep personalized content in front of people. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think a lot of people often use podcasts in uh, the way that you're describing here, which is, you know, for anybody that's listening, it's the idea of using a podcast as a nurture sequence. It's the idea of, you know, if I just keep getting in front of somebody, eventually people are going to, you know, keep me top of mind. They're going to refer back. And, you know, it's it's great in terms of in the long game, but it can also be quite a slow burn as well you know, in terms of having to consistently put it out there, having to remember to follow up with people as well. I know one of the things that some of our clients have done as sort of a bit more of a creative way to try and, you know, get leads and clients coming from the podcast is actually to interview their potential prospects. Did you ever think about like interviewing the people that you meet at these chamber of commerce meetings? So I've, I've interviewed with the, with the, um, you know, with the actual intention of just generating content, um, I can't think of anybody who became, I mean, I have a couple guests that became clients, maybe somewhat directly. So, so I think, you know, where I've gotten business from is where the podcast is a small part of it. You know, maybe you, um, you know, we met at a chamber event, you, you became a guest, we became friends and the kind of the whole process, excuse me, then, then, um, you know, then you end up becoming a, um, becoming a guest, uh, becoming a, a client. So I think it, it's, it's, it, it is a piece of, of the client acquisition puzzle. And, you know, you ask kind of maybe what the, what the mistakes were in the beginning, and maybe it would have been the mindset that the podcast is going to do more than it possibly can. Because like I said, I, I guess there are financial podcasts that have huge listenerships that maybe get incoming leads, but I think your listenership would have to be in the hundreds of thousands or, or millions in order to get a lot of incoming stuff. So, um, and I also, you know, I have stuff going out on automated drips, but I also have, you know, I think that there's also a lot to be said for the person. Cause I, I mean, I know when I get an email and it's an automated email, I know, I know it's automated and I also know when it's not automated. So there's only so many hours in the day. You can't send a personalized email to everybody, but you can target. I mean, if there's someone who's a potential high value um, client, you know, in addition to the automated stuff, you know, a personalized email where you're, you know, Hey, Jamie, I enjoy talking to you at the event about blah, blah, blah. So you know that it, that it's a genuine email. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for that as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because you know whenever you think about coming onto a podcast, I know you get on a lot of other podcasts as well. I think the the value of that by itself is very very high. And uh, I actually have a a client and a friend who I used to work with about two years ago now, a guy called Brett Schwartz, and he used to run this um, business, and I, I think he still runs the business now called um, Capital. Uh, I think it's Capital Gains Tax Group or something along the lines of that. 
And in a nutshell, you know, not to make it too boring for people who don't care about tax and capital gains tax and stuff, but in a nutshell, he helps people like defer their capital gains tax so they don't pay as much. And I remember like when I originally spoke to him about his podcast, he had, you know, very similar beliefs. He was like, you know, well, you know, I, you know, I thought the podcast could be really successful, but now I've just kind of accepted that it's just there to, you know, do a, you know, job of nurturing people. And, you know, I'm not expecting to make, you know, millions about, you know, or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from it um, because, you know, I know I don't have a big listenership. And what was interesting was that he actually um, changed the approach of his podcast. And uh, after a little bit of sort of redirecting, he ended up getting Kevin Harrington on his podcast. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kevin Harrington. He's one of the original sharks from Shark Tank, uh, which was really cool. You know, like getting a big profile person like that on your show anyway is kind of cool. But what was really interesting about it was that by the end of the podcast interview, he'd ended up getting this guy onto a sales call and he ended up selling him into a $120,000, you know, solution, which was, which was pretty crazy. And so I always, I love sharing that story with people, especially when we talk about like the possibilities of what's there, because a lot of the time, I don't know about you, but like, I remember like the old days of business, which is kind of funny because I look like I'm about 12. But when I used to work in my very first job, like we used to drive around and we used to meet people, you know, we would go to a place, we would make a relationship with somebody. We'd meet them, like you said, in a chamber of commerce place or something along the lines of that. And then after you build the relationship, you, you try and escalate it to the next stage where maybe you can help them. And, you know, the way I see it nowadays is podcasts are really just the modern day version of that. You know, we can get together on a podcast interview, can build an amazing relationship. And then a lot of time with the right positioning and the right setup, you can often get those people to chat with you about how it works. So I'm always, you know, very interested about the the different approaches that people take when we start to think about ways that we can use a podcast to get us in front of more of our people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I see on a lot of, you know, Facebook groups, you know, how are you monetizing your podcast? I don't know if, if I would ever advertise products. I don't know. I, I think, I think to me, the podcast is almost just like a business card. I mean, I guess sure. if you offered me enough money and it was a product I believed in, but <laughs> I, 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 I don't know because some podcasts that I listen to some of the bigger names it does go on for, you know, two to five minutes of ads kind of before the content. And it does give a little bit of that feeling of it's become too commercialized. So, so I don't know, uh, the, the sponsorship deal, I'm, I'm not sure if, if I would ever go that route or I'd have to look at it, but I think for me, it's just a way of helping to get clients is, is, totally. is the, the purpose of monetizing. Yeah. I'm really big on that as well. You know, I'm a big believer at, you know, trying to grow a really big audience, trying to monetize with sponsorships. It's, it's not the route that works for most people. Like frankly, 99% of people who try that aren't successful with it. And so instead it's much better to think about how you can use a podcast to benefit your business. It, like in some of the creative ways that you were sharing, David, of, you know, getting it in front of people, nurturing, even ways like Brett was by interviewing people and, you know, getting them onto the show. And so I think, I think it's interesting to think about that. Another thing I'm always curious about is, you know, thinking of creative ways that podcasts can solve current problems, you know, particularly in people's businesses. And I know it's a little bit different for you because you don't run a online business like most people. You run a old school brick and mortar business, as you said, you know, before we jumped onto the podcast itself. For, for growing and for scaling your own business, what have been some of the challenges over the last couple of years as you've sort of had the vision of growing it? Or are you actually not too worried about growing the business? Are you kind of happy with with where you guys are at right now? 
I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you're never happy with where you are. Um, so <laughs> co- yeah, so COVID actually helped our brick and mortar business. We're in a small town. And when we, you know, when the shutdowns were mandatory, a lot of our clients that kind of felt like they always needed to come into the office to handle a, a, a simple transaction, um, that simply wasn't possible during COVID. So some of the older clients that, you know, maybe were not computer savvy, well, guess what? They had to figure out how to use DocuSign. And then they figured out, you know what? I don't need to drive 30 minutes each way. You know, just send me a DocuSign or, or um, you know, if there's some a payment that needs to be made, you know, you can pay with a credit card. So, so COVID actually helped us to train our clientele and it actually created less work for us. And, and we've always been fairly, fairly technological in the sense that we had access to Zoom and everything and had been doing Zoom meetings. Um, you know, our biggest challenge though still is always going to be time and money are your only two really limited assets. So, how do you put the right amount of time or the maximum amount of time to the right activities as as the as the leader and how does everybody on your team put the right amount of time and and money if, if we're dealing with money um towards towards the right activities so you know sometimes people you know a customer just pops in and and you love your customers they help you to pay your bills but you know you can't necessarily stop for 30 minutes unplanned all the time um, you know, there are a lot of, if, if I counted how many dollars per hour I make in some type of a- activities versus others, I mean, the range can be from really, really a, a lot of dollars per hour to negative dollars per hour. So, so time management and team management, you know, time management of our team, I think is always a, um, always a, you know, literally an hour by hour struggle to make sure that we're doing the right things that will have a, 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 a high payoff. I've got you. And so, and this is always an interesting question I'll have to throw at people. You know, um, one thing I love about Elon Musk, and there isn't a lot I love about Elon Musk, not a huge fan of his, but one thing I do like about him is that he always says, you know, if you think about what you want to accomplish in 10 years, start asking yourself how you're going to do that in six months and get creative with the solution. You know, if you were to think to yourself, okay, well, how would I double my business in terms of, you know, not just revenue, but profit, you know, in the next year? What what do you think your plan would be in terms of making that happen, and where would the challenges be? Do you think? Wow that that is a really really good question. Um, so we actually had um, our firm, our financial planning firm, we had a, a monthly meeting today, and and one of the things that we were talking about was segmenting our client base. And one of the advisors, I, I forget the numbers, but um, <clears throat> 88% of his number of clients produced 12% of the revenue. Um, so what his point was, I could lose 88% of my clients and I can only, and I would only lose 12% of the revenue, but think about how much less work I would have because those are the, the problem people. So I think one of the things for all of us to do is to look at <clears throat> the types of clients that are most uh, that we have the 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 best ability to uniquely serve and that are also profitable because we're not in this to be a nonprofit organization and really go after those um and 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 find the the the, the types of businesses or the types of clients that you are uniquely qualified to serve and just be laser focused to go after them and just share that value proposition uh, this weekend I spoke at an eight hour business conference 
Um, so, you know, I gave up, uh, you know, nine, 10 hours by the time you add in, in drive time from my family, but this was a group of entrepreneurs. And these are the people that I love that I can help because I'm one of them. And uh, I offer some, a few different uh, uh, financial planning type services. And in addition to uh, the, 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 the typical traditional ones, and, and I resonate with these people. And because I know what it's like that, you know, payroll is due on Friday and it's Monday, and we don't have the money. Um, and I also know what it's like, um, you know, when, wow, there's, there's extra money in the bank. So we've worked hard and my family can take, you know, an extra draw out of the account and we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. You know, I know what it's like to be thinking, you know, we got to get a retirement plan started because we don't have an automated plan. Like, like if you work for a big, big factory. So, so the business owners are those people that I can just passionately speak their language so if I were going to double my business, I would be speaking with small business owners as much as humanly possible. And I think you may have just made me hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm doing this even more. Yeah. Is that part of your plan right now to really just hyper-focus on those? Like we, in our business, we call this the rich market. We say, you know, who are our most profitable customers? And, and we usually go through three core questions. The first being, you know, first of all, who can I get the biggest result for? Second, who can afford to pay me the most money? And then three, who do I actually want to work with? You know, and I know that third one is one that people often overlook, but to me is the most right. important. Yeah, if you're a jerk. You up, right. Yeah. You can end up with horrible if customers. Every time, well, if every time I see your phone number come up on caller ID, if I cringe, you better either be paying a whole lot of money or else, you know, eventually we don't want to, um, you know, necessarily be, be, be dealing with you. So, yeah, so... Uh, earlier this year, I became a certified value builder advisor. And what that is, is I can help what, what most business owners do is their biggest asset is their business itself, but they ignore their business. They don't know what the business is valued at. And they also don't know what they can do to increase the value of their business. So um, I became a certified value builder advisor. And this is something that's really unique in the financial advising world. So in addition to helping you with your traditional financial planning, your brokerage, you know, maybe maybe you own some stock, you're talking about Elon, um, you know, own some Tesla stock, and you may think, well, should I own Tesla? Should I not? We can answer all of those questions for you. We can help you to have the right amount of life insurance and help you with tax planning. But I also, um, I can help you to... Uh, to 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 build the value of your business so that you can sell it for a higher multiple when you're ready, or you can just have an easier and more profitable life today because a profit a, a sellable business is a more profitable business. So this puts me kind of in a whole different stratosphere than almost any other financial advisor. And the other thing that I have a lot of experience in is insurance. So as a business owner, you have a a tremendous amount of exposures risk-wise to liabilities. So even if it's in a state where I'm not licensed, I can still offer a lot of advice on insurance, which most financial advisors don't. And, um, you know, the sexy things financial advisors do is, you know, I, I made you 25% last year and the market's got 21. So you made more, but I can help you to protect that money with, <clears throat> with the right insurances. And I can also help you to build the value of your business, which is probably your biggest asset. So that's a pretty unique offering. Yeah. I love that because, you know, for a lot of people, when they're going up against the commodity, you know, the regular financial planner. If they don't have anything that makes them stand out, makes them unique, it can be tricky to get people interested in that conversation. And I've often found the the key secret is, you know, really just have something that gets people curious. And and I love how you kind of combine that value value building 
with the financial planning services. So, you know, assuming that you you go out and you say, okay, over the next year, I'm going to focus on those high value clients are going to do the value building offer. We're going to get, you know, more of those great clients and less of the ones that struggle. I'm super curious where you think that you might hit roadblocks in your own business. So if you were to go out and do that over the next year, where do you think you might find challenges um, that might come up? And just to give you kind of an example here, some people may find that, you know, initially we think about, you know, business and acquisition and stuff like that. But actually, sometimes people struggle psychologically, you know, with the idea of getting rid of some of these different clients and things like that. So where do you think your personal challenges might be if you were to focus on that? So I am, I, I think it's always important to acknowledge our own skills. And, and, and Jamie, there's probably a few things where you could say you are very good at XYZ activities. But if you're honest, there's probably some areas where you could say, yeah, I really suck at XYZ. Absolutely. So I am personally very good with clients. I am very good with relating with prospects and clients and finding out what's important to them. figuring out a solution. And most clients are going to do almost everything that I suggest because it will end up being the right thing for them. I, you know, we have a lot of solutions Um, where I struggle um, is sometimes team leadership. Uh, Mm. You know, if, if, if you're on my team and and if, if we open at nine and if you show up at nine Oh one today, I'm not going to say anything, you know, tomorrow you show up at nine Oh five. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm, I'm going to be mad at you all day. And then, you know, Wednesday <laughs> you show up at nine 15 and then finally, you know, you know, a few weeks later, you know, you, you, you missed a day or, or, and then you were another late and I just would not have dealt with that properly. So um, I'm, I'm a good leader for, for like big picture items. I'm a, I'm a, well, let's say I'm a good leader. I'm a horrible manager. Um, and so I could see some, some just, you know, managerial things kind of falling through the cracks. Maybe we didn't get the, you know, you, you, you decided to be a client, but maybe we missed a signature and that kind of holds up the whole process. So maybe we would need a, um, you know, a defined process on how to make sure we get all the right signatures, uh, you know, for the client experience, but also nobody should be spending extra time trying to track down signatures or, or anything like that. So, so the managerial, uh, portion is, is where I could see some some roadblocks. I think that's super real because I think, you know, so many of us, when we go into business, you know, we get started and then suddenly our business is doing $10,000 a month. And it's like, holy crap, never thought I'd build a six-figure business. And then before you know it, you've got 30, 40,000 a month, 50,000 coming in, you've got multiple team members, and now you've been thrust into this position where you have to be a leader. And I think it's true that we have to as we grow and get to the next level, you know, if we want to get to the seven-figure level and get to $100,000 a month, we have to kind of become a new person in order to kind of get to that level. And so, you know, I, I really appreciate you being so honest here because I think for the other people that are listening, it's definitely going to be, you know, for them, maybe something they can resonate with that. And if not, maybe they can ask the question of, well, what is it for me, you know, as we face these different challenges? And so, you know, I'm excited to see where you go with this. I'm excited to see, you know, where this turns Honestly, I I just want to see you go out there and focus on those 12% of people that are going to make you the most money. I think that sounds like a really cool idea. <laughs> and I think, you know, well, you so know, what's often- cool is oftentimes like the bigger fish too, especially in my business, the big fish are business owners that are busy and they know that they basically need to hire an expert. And as long as they hire the expert that they're comfortable with, they're going to take the expert's advice. It's the person with the $50 a month account that wants to question everything. And 
I'm not saying I don't ever make mistakes, but I'm an expert, you know, and, and, and I know what I'm doing. And if we need to discuss your hundred dollar per month contribution every month, maybe you just need to be investing on your own. Um, so that's, you know, but the bigger fish are just more busy. Uh, I just took on a big client and I asked him, you know, what would a good relationship between you and a financial advisor look like? And he said, look, you know, I mean, I've done well, we have a good income, but, you know, I want to have someone where they tell me to, what to do and I do it because I trust them and they know what they're doing. And then I'm spending my time, you know, growing and he has a good business, you know, growing the business and, and, and doing the things that he's, you know, uniquely qualified to handle. Right. And I think this is a challenge for most people It's well, how do I get in the room with that person? How do I get past the gatekeeper? How do I get those conversations flowing? But I think when you have that focus on those higher leverage types of clients, you're dead right. They're easier they're, you know, less hassle in terms of managing. And a lot of the time, you know, if you ask them to renew or if you ask them to pay, they just write you a check. You know, there's none of that. Well, let me go check my, you know, my, my savings account and see what percentage you got me this year or, or anything along the lines of that. So right. I think I definitely resonate with that for sure. Right. All right. Awesome. Well, David, it's been super interesting to chat with you on the show. Um, I'm really kind of wanting people to take listen to what you've been talking about because you know as much as we've been talking about the podcast and the business i think one of the core messages that i took away from this was the idea of you know keep more of your money you know so many of us are great at chasing revenue trying to get more and more money coming in at the top but how much of it do we actually keep and put in our pockets at the end of the day and how much of it you know are we enjoying and using and and kind of making our lives feel more fulfilled so if somebody's listening to this and they probably feel like they need to do a better job of that, where's somewhere that they can go to kind of get more of you, maybe listen to the show, get some more context on how to do this? Yeah. So anybody, whether you're an individual or a business owner, check out the show at www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, or you can just search up Weekly Wealth Podcast on all the major platforms. Um, you know, I do, I do shows on specific financial topics, but I also talk about mindset, about happiness. I'll, I've interviewed therapists, I've interviewed marriage coaches, because ultimately, if you're my client, I want you to have a better life. And part of it is how you handle your money, because how you handle your money absolutely can, can impact our lives. So, you know, at the end of our client relationship, I want everybody to say, not only did I, did my accounts grow, but is my life a little bit better? Um, or maybe my accounts didn't grow because I realized I need to give more of my money away because I know I need to be more generous. I mean, there's just a lot of different things. So weeklywealthpodcast.com. Um, if you're a business owner and the idea of managing the value of your business just seems like it's it's kind of cool. And, and if, if you're if you've even thought about selling your business, um, go to www.allofmyassets.com. Uh, we have some cool tools there, some cool videos. But the idea is most business owners don't manage all of their assets. They only manage their traditional assets. And, and your business is probably your biggest asset. So make sure that you're doing the things that make your business more sellable. Um, and, and just one of them is, is not being involved with everything. So when the business owner is kind of the hub of everything that decreases the value of the business. And finally, just email me. I mean, if you have any questions, David at parallelfinancial.com, always happy to answer a question. If we could do a zoom call, we could, you know, do a phone call, any, anything that works. And, um, you know, if there are next steps, we take them, but other than that, I'm always happy to be a resource. I love it. David, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And for you guys listening at home, let us know on Instagram at Jamie Atkinson. What was your big takeaway from the episode today? What do you enjoy about it? And uh, we'd love to hear from you inside of the comments. So 
Take care, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.